Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Forrest Stevens Show, a show about exploration, a show about self-development, a show that is a type of journal for myself um, of my progression in life and all of life's matters that I participate in. Last week's episode, uh, I guess it was the episode I released last week, so it would be two weeks actually since this one's been um, been filmed and since this moment right here um, that you're watching it uh, because I record these a week ahead of time. That video did really well on YouTube. You know, it's it's very funny because that episode was all about kind of not caring about numbers, not caring about monetization, about making money from this podcast specifically. And YouTube was like, I see you, bro. I'm going to just feed you a little bit of hopium in this algorithmic way and just shared my podcast to more people and different people that had never seen it before. Which is just funny, you know? It's like, sometimes life is like that. It's like, when you when you think things are over, the universe finally catches up and says, oh, this is what you need. This is what you wanted. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's also like, maybe that episode, I just kind of gave less of a fuck about things because I was in that mindset of like, yeah, this is just for me now. Like, this is what it is i'm not trying to make it anything else i'm not trying to be anything and that just caught enough people to think that it was like the authentic thing that it was you know and that it is this podcast is just authentically me um being myself and um sharing and talking and exploring ideas so with that um, <laughs> with that little boost in the algorithm came new viewers, new listeners. So thank you. If you're still watching this, if you're, if you're sticking around for more episodes week after week, that's awesome. I release them every week. And with that as well came comments of people enjoying it, people finding it interesting, people wanting to be on the podcast. Cause I did mention, um, just kind of like reach out to me. And you can just send a comment or email me, forcethefilmmaker at gmail. And uh, somebody did, and it was weird. It was just like the, one of the strangest email like conversations I've had with somebody. And they wanted to be on the pod. And by the end of it, I'm just like, bruh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't know how to communicate. So it'd be pretty hard to have you on the pod. Um but that's just life, you know, like there's, there's, everybody's living their own version of it. <laughs> and, uh, who am I to say what's right or wrong for somebody else or, um, what is normal and abnormal or what is weird. Right. Uh, I'm just going to keep doing me though. You know, not every, uh, collaboration is going to be a knockout. Not every collaboration is even going to happen, but reach out if you are interested in being on my pod. So this week, this week in recap, this past weekend, this whole entire seven days, has been a mixed bag for me. The week before, I had just been feeling so much positivity, so much optimism, and so much purpose and drive. And I was working, I was going to the cafe every day, I was working at creating something, and um, really feeling a lot of hope and optimism. And this week has been 
the flip coin of that. Like it's it feels like this weird bipolarism, this manic up and down, this um, duality of good and bad, of easy and difficult, of hopeful and pessimistic. And it's uh, partially because I, I started feeling kind of sick. I had like really low energy. I'd wake up with a headache and I just had really, it was just like an internal feeling of like no drive. And I tried to force myself to do things. The other thing too is I think I went from having too much caffeine to having too little. And it was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive to substance. So I was going to the cafe every day and with that, buying a coffee. And I don't usually drink coffee. And it's like, was all that productivity just the was it just all because of coffee is like the only thing that happens in in a, in the world just because of drugs <laughs> because of stimuli and and it kind of got me thinking a little bit about feeling and how a lot of our life and a lot of what we are is feelings and it's an interesting thing like are we more than just the feelings that we have like we could be defined as just a being we have these these senses, um, these human senses, and our body allows for that and, and facilitates those senses, but really all we are is our experience and our being and our, our life in the moment, and all that is is feeling. So there's a good argument for that. I mean, a lot of people, I think, would think that way and think there's got to be more than that, and maybe there is. I don't know. But everything I have a sense of truth about is because I feel that way and because I have had feelings to back it up. Basically, um, your experience is your truth. And the feelings that ideas bring in ideas that feel like truth to you they elicit a feeling within you and that feeling resonates as something that you feel connected to that you feel truth to so everything can be boiled down to feelings it's very it's very interesting so with that this past week has been um very unproductive but so i went back to drinking matcha every day and it just wasn't enough combined with waking up with headaches combined with just feeling like kind of under the weather like I was almost getting sick kind of like I was just like and then and then just like not wanting to do anything like not like breaking out of that routine that I was beginning to form the other thing too is that week of productivity was the first time that I had gone to the gym and <laughs> there's a there's a local gym here I live in a very small town and, you know, I called a couple times, no answer. I left messages, I emailed. And then I finally, I waited a little while because we were going away and we came back and then I called and they're like, yeah, you can come to the gym, but uh, it's our last day <laughs> for two weeks. We're going on winter vacation. So uh, we, I went and I worked out and it was awesome. It, I think that also gave me... Um, 
just these this natural endorphins and this feeling of of health and fitness and there's there's all these run-on effects from working out that are super underrated and overrated because if you listen to anybody that's like a gym rat or you know muscle bound guy or a, a lean fit chick it's like that's all they talk about is how great fitness is and how you need to do this and that and be healthy and blah 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 and blah 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 so it's like overrated by those people and it's underrated by everybody who doesn't do it um or who hasn't experienced the benefits of it basically and i find the benefits to be very quick because it sets off a chain reaction of me wanting to eat better because I want to be healthy, me wanting to sleep better because I want to recover. And those things in turn affect me in these real rudimentary ways of like affecting my brain chemistry and, and the different chemicals that get released and all that, right? So I don't think that's to be underlooked um, for why that week was so good for me. And this week didn't have that. And it also, you know, so yesterday was basically my only productive day, really productive day. Like I always force myself to do something. I can't not do work. <laughs> um, but the productivity of my work was lacking for sure. You know, I was just going through the motion. I had set up all these video calls. I did the video calls. I did the work I needed to do. I didn't do the extra work. Right. So that, that's the thing. When you work for yourself, sometimes it ends up being that you do the work that you need to do that has to get done. Uh, I publish a video every week. I do a podcast every week. And so I get that done no matter how fucking shitty my life is. But there's so many extra things I could do with my business. There's so much more work on top of the, th the work that needs to be done just to run the base level of the business. And when I don't feel up to it, I don't do it. So uh, that's how I was feeling except for yesterday where I did a lot of extra work that needed to be done. Um, I've been sent these these products I've signed contracts with these companies for sponsorship deals and just like been putting off doing the videos for the, for them. And it's like yesterday I was, I drank coffee and I did it. You know what it's like? Once again, is coffee just why we are able to do things? Am I a drug addict because of coffee? <laughs> is the world a drug addict because of caffeine? Uh, very possibly, very, very possibly. It seems to be prevalent in all nations, whether it's coffee or tea. Um, caffeine seems to be a powerful driver. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to, you know, it's like so much of my life has been just trying to get back on track. It's just been trying to get back on track. I've been off those rail tracks, I've been wandering around in trails and there's that railroad that goes straight to my destination and I keep wandering off it. I keep not following the rails. I keep not either stepping on the wood of the railway track too short of a step or too long of a step to step off or two of them. If anybody's ever walked on a railway track, they know what I'm talking about. And uh, I keep wandering off that. And that wandering, it can be a way of 
creating. But oftentimes in my life, I have been overly creative. I have had some epiphany of something that I could do, and it takes away from what I'm currently doing. And you get paid dividends when you work on something that is good and you work on it for longer than others. The only reason I have a YouTube channel that has 150,000 subscribers is because week in, week out, I've been posting on there. I've been doing it for so long that it paid dividends. If I just did it sporadically, if I wandered off and did the next thing I wanted to do and didn't continue doing it, it would not have paid off. So there's that real, there's that real power in a fixation on accomplishing one goal. And then there's a real blindness that happens if it's a hyper fixation, if it's the only thing you focus on, because you will miss many other opportunities that are actually better for you in the long run. But it's always our choice, right? It's always do we walk through that door or not? So a little bit else about this week, uh, I've been talking to a lot of people who are in the psychedelic psilocybin mushroom realm of reality and I have been vetting them to see where they would fit in my mushroom documentary. I probably did about four, I believe four, and I have two more to do uh, video calls that are just initial meetings. And I have many others that I know so much about because they're media personalities that I don't need to do video calls with. Um, or they've, they've described themselves fully enough and their story isn't, I don't need to learn more about it by doing a video call with them. So I have lots of subjects is what I'm saying for this film. I have enough subjects for this film already. And so I think that's another part of why this week was unproductive for me is because I almost feel like, okay, I've done the pre-production work or like 80% of it. And then this last 20% is just kind of the grueling little filtering out and organizing and seems less interesting. You know, it's always harder to finish something than it is to start something, unless it's sex. It's pretty easy to finish sex. Um, <laughs> but uh, so with that, I, I've just been kind of feeling like, okay, this excite, exciting thing that I've started, this purposeful driven thing, this work's almost done. Like, yeah, there's there's going to be another thing of work here in the spring and summer of when I'm actually filming and I'm actually in production. And there's some writing I need to do. There's there's lots more, but it's it's like figuring out those little missing pieces is just kind of like it's a, a mix between like tedious and difficult and hard to force yourself to do. It requires a bit of wandering, not off track, but just in your mind it requires some wandering because you're still going towards i'm still working towards that finished mushroom film but within that i have to think okay so i have this information of who these people are where do they exactly fit and where where did i think they fit and where do they fit and how willing are they but basically what i what i've discovered is everybody that i've talked to has been incredibly willing to help me and 
we'll see on the follow through, right? There's there's the initial call, there's the initial interview where people are very stoked. It's just like how it's the easiest for me to start something and to get into it, but then it's the hardest to finish it. So it's the I think there is this thing where people get really upset when people kind of flake flake away or don't say or don't do what they say. But it's the reason for that is because it's a lot easier to say something than it is to do something. And that just makes sense. Like that, that just, that just makes a lot of sense. Of course it is. Of course it's easier to say you're going to do something than to actually do it. So with that, I, I, I've talked to these people. They've been extremely helpful so far. And there's some people that are extremely interesting. One person I talked to is one of four in a small nonprofit that basically facilitates training for for already accredited therapists and counselors to become accredited by them by this nonprofit to be able to facilitate um, uh, psychedelic ther- assisted therapy with specifically uh, psilocybin mushrooms. So they've been doing that, and they've also been working towards um, helping other groups and them themselves uh, trying to get the government to change the laws. Because, and one thing that they said to me that was so interesting was there's this new rollout of MAID, which is Medical Assistance in Dying, this year in Canada, where basically right now you have to have some sort of terminal illness um, where your life is really like, there's no hope of you getting better and your life is, is causing you a lot of distress. So my mom, if anybody is actually listening to this, my mom did made, uh, I mean, if anybody's been listening to this for a while, she did made last year because she had stage four metastatic aggressive breast cancer and it had spread all throughout her body. Basically, she did made like probably a week or maybe two before she would have died naturally. I mean, death is death. <laughs> death is natural. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter how it happens. It happens. Um, I mean, I guess it does matter how it happens when you think about it in the big scheme of like how people can be, you know, life taken away before their prime or whatever. But my mom decided that she wanted to have the experience of made, which uh, if you go back and listen to those podcasts, I explain it a lot more, but it was a, it was a beautiful thing to be able to say goodbye to somebody and not have somebody just die away in their sleep unexpectedly, leave you without wanting to leave you. Um, it was kind of powerful and beautiful to have her choose that. It was, it was, a. I think it's a strong choice to make. I think it was, um, powerful for her to do that and basically that's where it stands now this this made it's not like everybody can get it i mean there's all these memes about like people in canada being like sad and being able to just kill themselves or the government of canada like wanting people to kill themselves and it's like okay so (laughs) with that made has an like uh, uh they're going to open up made so that more people can have access to it but they haven't yet. And with that is people who are like suicidal or, you know, have some serious treatment resistant depression. Um, 
but basically they can make an argument to their doctor and get approved for made and they're opening it up so like more people can can do made um and this person is basically saying when that happens the access to made will be easier than the government access to psychedelic assisted therapy so let that sink in for a second. That is an insane story. So they've pushed back this this thing, this um, this change in made. They've kept pushing it back because there has been some pushback um, from the from people, and uh, basically there should be a lot more options for people. Government uh, accepted options, government um, facilitated options, and government funded options for people to get better in different ways before they kill themselves. Like that just makes a lot of sense when you think. And I think psychedelic assisted therapy could, I, there has been a lot of, um, a lot of evidence. And, and I, I plan to make this documentary very unbiased, but the truth is the truth. And so far what I've seen in this, and, and there may be some, I may find out some additional information that, that goes against this, but what I've seen so far and what I imagine I will see, so this is a little bit of bro science, but um, what seems to be is that things like like um, untreatable or, or treatment-resistant uh, depression, um, there has been some success with psychedelic-assisted therapy or psychedelics in general. And things like really, really intense um, PTSD, which could lead somebody to also want to kill themselves because of how terrible it is, right? Um, and uh, there's been some some mood disorders and things like that that have uh, also shown some, some evidence of being treatable um, to some degree. And so it just doesn't really make sense that these things are harder to access or will be harder to access than... Um, the medical assistance in dying. So that was a really interesting interview that I did. And uh, another one that I did that was interesting was, so that was very, that was very legal by the book. These people are just totally interested in going the right way, you know, not in the gray market, not in the black market. They are in the white market. They are, they are just keeping it straight and narrow, but that's not everybody that I'm going to be having in this film. So one person that is definitely operating in the gray market is another, um, this, this couple that I, that I talked with and all of these I've recorded, but I'm not going to be publishing. Um, so I can kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, but they basically, and they, and they're going to be in the film. They're, they're totally open to it and they actually are really excited about it, but they are, they basically run, uh, against the law. So illegal, um, psilocybin focused ceremonies where they treat, they give people these, um, psychedelics. And one of them is a trained psychiatrist with 40 years of experience. And the other one is like a self-proclaimed spiritual shaman basically. And he's written a bunch of books and, and they, uh, they work together on this and they hold these ceremonies and they hold a retreat as well. And this is all with illegal substances, but they've told me that they have had people who are, uh, you know, 
from all walks of life, we'll just say that, have participated. Um, people who you think would surely be a, uh, against things that are against the law. And you can take that with what you will. Um, so I'm going to be filming with them. I, I hope to actually film one of these ceremonies, these kind of underground ceremonies that happen. But, I mean, they have a website. They, they're very public about it. They have no fear of, about doing it. They think what they're doing is right. They've, they feel like they've helped a lot of people, and they feel like the, the strategy... Sorry, my heater just clicked on. It scared the shit out of me. Um, the, uh, the strategy that they have has been effective, hasn't been harmful so kudos to them uh we'll see when i when i film with them we'll see how it goes um like i said i plan to do this unbiasedly i, I plan to tell the truth and if the truth is not what they say or what they've told me then it shall be seen um but they also want me to film this retreat they do like this wilderness retreat that uh, i think would be quite interesting to film so that would be a really cool angle in this mushroom documentary and I, I've talked to a few people that have had, I talked to one person that was really super interesting. They had this insanely traumatic experience when they were young, teenager, um, on psilocybin mushrooms. And yet he's a counselor. He's doing more school for counseling and he hopes to become a psychedelic assisted therapist. So even with having experienced trauma from psychedelics, he still plans to or he still sees the potential in their benefits in the right in the right way. So that's whoa. Okay, there's a little juxtaposition there. There's a little bit of an. Uh, it's not a one-sided story. So that that very very interesting. Plan to film with him. Plan to interview him. I've had all these people. I've had this guy who runs four different uh, illegal uh, medical mushroom uh, dispensaries in in BC storefronts um he runs these and he's okay yeah like i have his number i have all of his information i he's like whenever you're in the area let's film i'm totally down and he's awesome he's he's been in tons of media stuff um i didn't even do a initial call with him because i just know so much information about him already from what's available and i just know that he will be a good subject and i have all my questions basically for him so that should be interesting that should be good. I mean, this this movie is really coming along. Like, this has all happened in basically two weeks. Um, all of all of it's been lined up, or almost all of it. Like I said, about eighty percent of this film has been lined up. I talked to somebody who has been to Maria Sabina's um, hometown in Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, he sent me all these links. He he did a ceremony there. Um, he. Is given, I, I talked to him personally and he told me all of these experiences he had and basically I've been able to glean from that um, a trip plan of sorts. I gotta brush up on my, <laughs> my Spanish um, to do that, I think, because it is not, you know, it's not a touristy area. It's not a mainstream. A lot of people there won't be able to speak English, so I need to be able to facilitate some sort of communication and uh maybe hire somebody that can translate for me a little bit or uh, meet somebody there that can translate so there's a little bit to do there there's quite a bit to do there but that won't be happening till next year next winter uh, i plan to go there in the winter just to <laughs> escape from this winter a little bit 
and also combine that with a little bit of a you know a beach beachside vacation as well so that's that'll be nice um to do uh yeah so with all of that being said um the film like i said two weeks of work on a single subject i mean documentary work is just so fascinating to me that literally anyone could do it but it doesn't get done unless somebody actually does it like it's it's this field and i've talked about this when i first made my first film and it had some success the the reality of hashtag van life it was like okay let's take the subject of like van life on social media and let's make a film about it and you could just do that about anything and you can make a film about it and you can make money from that film you could make a film about the about microphones you could make a film about podcasts you could say what is interesting about podcasts? Um, why are people doing this? How is it different than radio? Uh, show the history of how it happened. Why is it even called podcast? Right? You can make a documentary about anything. You can make a documentary about anything. Th- those were literally just things that were in front of me. But you can make a documentary about anything. And for me, it's just about finding what do I actually have the ability to get around without having to spend a ton of money. Um, because I don't have a ton of money to do this with. I need to be smart about the money I have. And I think that I can make a documentary about mushrooms because I live in the West coast of Canada where there is a lot of people with a lot of interesting stories about mushrooms. And I can tell this story from here. Uh, and I can do a trip to Mexico, especially if I combine it with a bit of a getaway, I can do a trip into the States, into Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, Colorado, where there are these, these meccas and these specific points of interest about the coming decriminalization or the current decriminalization of psilocybin mushrooms specifically and how that's affected people in those areas. So this story can be told by me because of where I am and my ability. I've been messing around with my camera now, too. I got this Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 6K that I mentioned in last week's episode. Oh, man, it's awesome. It's so awesome. I'm so so stoked on it. I, uh, I got a solid-state hard drive. I got a cage for it. And um, I'm just beginning, basically, to outfit it and rig it out. And I... I found this cool adapter um, that I can use Nikon lenses with that adjusts aperture. So that's the thing about using new lenses is they don't have manual aperture adjustments on them. But this one kind of bypasses it. So I could use old Nikon lenses, which I have a few of. And um, one of my family members, who was a professional wedding photographer, shoots with the Nikon and has since kind of stopped that business. So they have a bunch of Nikon lenses that I could potentially buy from them or um, borrow. So that will, I'm trying to outfit my my kit here basically as efficiently and as much as I actually need to, to do the film that I want to do in the professional manner, but do it at the lowest cost that I can without cutting corners. I will not cut corners on this film. I will do what is necessary, but I won't throw money at my problems. I will think about how I can do this, how it needs to be done, but at a rate that is doable by me. 
because if I go bankrupt making this film and then it gets no views, I mean, geez, whoo, that could be bad, right? So that's the thing. That's where I'm at. I've been talking about this film for three podcasts now. This is, I guess, going on the third. No, I've been talking about only the last two podcasts because it's been two weeks. And I think I'm ready to wrap that up. I think next week, like this this coming week, we'll be wrapping up all the loose ends, figuring out, planning that trip to Mexico a little bit better, trying to find a translator, a local translator, um, remotely, uh, if I can. Just writing down, gathering more information. I have three more initial calls to do that are all happening next or like this coming week and um that will just do that last 20 percent of the work and i'll be on to my next creative project which i think will be something here local that i can do this winter whether it's more alternative dwellings or i have this other idea called little business big change which is a title a playful title if you if you've seen some other shows out there um that have been popular on uh, a certain TV sh- show, but it is a, it's um basically uh, it, it's more of like a TV show style video, which um my alternative dwellings are not. They're not like TV style. They're YouTube style videos, and so I plan to make a series about these small businesses that are trying actively to make a difference in the world. And how they might have a technology, they might be just implementing a certain type of practice in their respective field. And if larger companies in that field or or in that industry implemented those, it would make a huge change. Um, But these are small businesses. These are little business, big change. So instead of big change, or instead of huge change, they're doing a big change. And uh, that that's an idea and I, and there's some pretty interesting and unique businesses where I'm at that are doing things differently, right? It doesn't have to actually be making a big change. They can be, they can just have the potential to be making big change and the size of them is really what's dictating it. So I'm, I'm going to explore that. Maybe it's that, that I try to do. Um, but yeah, YouTube is just kicking my ass on my alternative dwelling videos. Like they're getting, the the older videos are just yeah they're not being shown the newer videos are not being shown i mean it's just youtube is kicking my ass so um i gotta make some changes i gotta do something differently and uh i can't just be doing the same thing that mr beast does with all his videos where they're exactly the same and nothing else happens that's interesting his videos are incredibly boring the most boring videos i've ever seen in my life because they're so repetitive. Every single video is the same. But I think he knows that. I think he's got to change things up. And I think I know that now that like these alternative dwelling videos, they're all very similar. They're, you know, it's different media. I should be doing something different. So I think Little Business Big Change could be pretty big. I think it could do well on YouTube. And I think it could do well on other streaming services like Prime or Tubi or Roku and what other other streamers um, accept it. <clears throat> so I think that's what I'm going to work on, actually. That's basically like what I've concluded after this self-talk here. So look out for that. 
Thank you all for listening to my life story for this past week. And is it interesting at all? I don't know. And I don't really care. If you don't find this interesting, you haven't gotten this far. If you have found it interesting, that's awesome. And we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye for now.